are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. A lot of stuff to talk about on this Tuesday edition of the show. We'll do a full recap of the Louisville Ole Miss game. Uh, We'll talk the good, the bad, and the ugly surrounding the game. We will then transition into the initial takeaways and reactions. And then we will end the show today with a Tuesday mailbag since there was no episode on the Labor Day yesterday. So um, before we get into that, like I said, my name is Dalton Pence. I'm a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a feature writer and a recruiting analyst, and also do some PA announcing work for the University of Louisville in sports like baseball, soccer, lacrosse, field hockey, etc. You can follow my Twitter at dpence underscore, and the podcast Twitter page is at LO underscore Louisville. Um, and if you're an, an NFL fan, the season begins this week in two days. Um, nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network from August 30th all the way up to September 8th. Locked On's ultimate season preview is taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfora. Follow the ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or, or wherever you get your podcast to tune in beginning on August 30th, which obviously is in the past, but um, definitely check out all of that good content. So let's get right on into the content of the show. Um, as you all are obviously aware by now, the Cardinals lost last night in Atlanta 43-24 to at the hands of Ole Miss. Started out extremely slow started, and then showed some life in the second half, but at that point it was kind of um, out of the out of reach. So the first segment I want to focus on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, if you watch the game, it's very hard to take anything good and positive out of a performance like that. But uh, I'm a firm believer that there's always a positive in almost every situation. Uh, in terms of Louisville last night and what I expected from them, definitely didn't live up to the expectations. Um, I think that the the good part about it was although they started slow in the second half, they made some adjustments. Malik Cunningham looked better with his reads, looked more comfortable. Jalen Mitchell, I thought, ran the ball really well. And they didn't give up until the final whistle at the end of the fourth quarter. They scored all of their 24 points in the second half. The bad, however, is a direct reflection of that in the fact that Louisville was essentially out of the game by halftime. They trailed 26-0 going into the break. At that point, it really didn't even matter. Like I said, you're already down by four scores. Uh, the fact that you know you scored 24 points, that Louisville actually outscored Ole Miss in the second half, um, 24 to 17. However, you know we keep coming back to the point that you know there's obviously four quarters of football, and Louisville just stunk it up in the first half, and that's really where the troubles lie. And um, you know you have to ask the question: Well, what happens if Louisville's able to make the adjustments? earlier in the first half but at the end of the day it doesn't even matter because you know you go down with a big deficit like that early on and take your team out of the game by halftime it doesn't matter what you do in the second half you know you outscore the team it really doesn't matter kind of reminds me of Miami last year um, and Louisville kind of trailed big time at the end of the first half and started to Uh, cut into the deficit in the second half and actually outscored the Hurricanes in the second half, but at that point it really didn't matter 
because the opposition was just so far ahead, and that obviously represents the badness situation. And then the ugly, I kind of talked about it, was just the fact that it took so long for Louisville to make adjustments. Definitely has not sit well with the fan base, and rightfully so. I mean, if you're not able to make adjustments, and what I mean by adjustments, and you know, Malik Cunningham and Scott Satterfield both confirmed that um, what they expected Ole Miss to do on defense and what actually happened um, were, were two different things. They took a different approach than they were expecting, and it took them a whole half to be able to adjust. And, I mean, that, that that's a dangerous precedent, and you're doing that against a defense that was the worst defense in the SEC last season. So not being able to make adjustments, you know, not necessarily just against Ole Miss, but taking a whole half of football to make adjustments against any team just doesn't sit right with me either. Um, you know, that's a dangerous formula for taking yourselves out of a ball game very quickly. I understand it's only game one. It's easier for the defense to be able to get acclimated with their situation, you know, more so than the offense early on. It takes them a little while. I get that. But with a veteran quarterback like Malik Cunningham, with all of the praise that we had seen the offensive line being given over the offseason, it just you know, that's unacceptable to have um, a period of, you know, taking a whole half of football to get acclimated. And we saw, you know, the consequences last night. It took, you know, two quarters for the Louisville offense to crack the old Miss defense. And at that point, they were down 26 to zero. It did not matter. So at the end of the day, we can, you know, praise the offense for, you know, showing improvement throughout the game. And, you know, I, I'm a person, you know, uh, people try to make things so black and white, and I truly never think that you know things are in the black and white category. There, I think they're always you know is a gray area. I think you know they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can criticize the offense for not being able to adjust quickly, while also applauding the offense for their effort in the second half and being able to get things going. And it's just kind of frustrating, obviously, because you saw the offense be able to put 24 points up in the second half it definitely could have turned into a shootout if the Louisville offense was able to adjust quicker and I think that that has to be one of the focal points going forward in the sense of okay you have to be able to adjust quicker all of the great teams and great programs do that that's one thing that separates them from you know the tiers below and that's the fact that once you see what the defense or the opposing offense is throwing at you being able to adjust on the fly and be able to you know put a plug in the damage and um, and reverse the momentum is key. And um, it just wasn't happening last night. Um, I do think, you know, I think you could put the Louisville defensive efforts in the bad category because I think that they had some key drives, and we'll talk about those in the next segment. Um, but giving up the yards that they gave up and, um, you know, giving up 43 points, albeit to Ole Miss, which is probably a top-two offense that the Cards will see this season. It, it's still, um, you know, it's not good whichever way you spin it. I, I can't fall in line with that uh, line of thinking. Um, but it's not necessarily in the ugly category. Um, outside of the adjustment aspect of it, and I was at the game, so I wasn't really able to see the sidelines really well. I was able to um, look at Twitter during the game. Shout out to Mercedes-Benz Wi-Fi. Um, absolutely fantastic. Hats off. Um, there, there was a lot of you know, posts about the Louisville players looking dejected and just not into it on the sidelines. And that kind of uh, is is on par with how I thought the team came out. Uh, I thought they came out flat. Um, you know, we had heard 
all offseason about the cards, you know, going at the opposition early on in games. That just wasn't the case last night. Um, I thought it was the other way around. Um, and, you know, Louisville took a one on the chin early. The defense kind of uh, kept the team afloat for a while, and then obviously you can't hold that offense down for much longer. But before we get into the initial takeaways and all of that type of stuff, uh, let's first talk about sweat block. Um, as I mentioned on a couple of different episodes, Sweatbox sent me a care package that I have fallen in love with. It's doctor created and doctor recommended sweat wipes, uh, deodorant sticks, uh, you name it, uh, body cream, etc. Works up for seven days per use. It's got a dry shirt guarantee, so if it doesn't keep you dry, you can get your money back. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. It's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews, and it's manufactured right here in the United States. So you're able to wear what you want to wear, you have your little secret to confidence, and it's a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's a big presentation or even a hot date, everyone can benefit. Now, I know what you're saying. Uh, it sounds too good to be true, but I literally have only had to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. So there's no more pitting out. You don't have to pick your shirts based upon which one will hide the sweat better. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code Locked On or at Amazon or CVS. Another opportunity that you need to be aware of is Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer? Choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry when you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket? RockAuto.com is able to save you money and time. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is family owned, serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps and from motor oil to even new carpet. So go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Uh, be sure to go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Alright, so in the second segment, I want to talk a little bit about the initial takeaways and reactions uh, from the Louisville Ole Miss game last night. and It's very complex. There's a lot of layers to it. I guess the first thing I want to start out with is that no one person or one positional group uh, gets the blame completely uh, in this effort. It, it goes around to everyone. I think it starts out with Scott Satterfield. Uh, simply put, this team was not ready. Um, you know, even if they were, you know, execution, you know, triumphs over preparation. You know, you can have as much preparation in the world, but at the end of the day, it's all about execution. And um, you know, simply put, this team came out flat. Um, I thought that the play calling was vanilla in a lot of ways. Um, the Ole Miss defense was able to get after the quarterback while only rushing three um, in the sense that you know the Ole Miss pass rush was the worst in the SEC last season, like we mentioned in previous episodes. Um, the fact that they were only able to rush three but get after the quarterback while dropping eight. Um, you boated successful for that defense. Um, hats off to them for the, that high effort that uh, the defensive linemen were giving for the Rebels. But you know, if you're looking, you know, 
at an offensive game plan. I thought that we saw a lot of what we saw last year, you know, a lot of run plays in situations where I thought the play calling was too conservative. Um, a lot of second and third and longs, and it, you know, there was a third and eleven where it was a, a quarterback draw off the, you know, off tackle to the right. Um, you know, second and sixteen or seventeen backed up on your own, you know, end zone, and we're throwing, you know, screens out wide. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't have any problem with these plays that he's calling in these short yardage passing situations, but doing them in first down rather than second and third and long, I just feel like you're setting yourself up for failure. And it showed because, you know, what what, what one of the biggest keys to the game last night for in, in my opinion was keeping that Ole Miss offense off of the field. And simply put, I mean, going into a lot of three and outs on offense in the first uh half really kind of damned Louisville and obviously put them down 26 to 0 going into the second half. So I think that the the play calling was lackluster. Um I don't think that Malik Cunningham was put into the greatest position to succeed in terms of play calling, but you know, as I blame Satterfield, I also have to, you know, point some blame over at you know, Malik Cunningham, I thought that there were times where he was very hesitant with his reads in the first half. Now, some of that is on uh, not having a lot of times to go through the reads. That's on the offensive line. You know, we heard all throughout the offseason how more experienced this offensive line was, how much more depth it had, how it was the best offensive line unit that Jack Bicknell had coached. And last night, you would you would have thought that, um you know, if these things shouldn't have been said. I mean, it, nothing the offensive line showed last night even comes close to what we've been hearing. So the offensive line did not do necessarily do that good of a job of protecting Malik Cunningham and creating some holes for the um, running back committee. But like I mentioned, it kind of goes hand-to-hand with the play calling, being able to load the box on run plays, being predictable, but at the end of the day, not being able to create some gaps for your running backs and not being able to create some adequate protection for your quarterback really didn't do the skill positions any favor for the cards um in terms of Malik Cunningham like I mentioned there was a couple reads in that first half to where um just completely either overthrew or underthrew um made the wrong decisions especially on that um through a deep ball first deep ball he threw was into double coverage that got intercepted and you know at the end of the day I thought that the first half was one that was uh left a lot to be desired for Malik uh, second half, he looked a lot better, like I mentioned earlier. Looked more comfortable in his reads. I thought that the play calling opened up a little bit more. That's what kind of frustrated me because if we use that play calling in the first half rather than just the second half, I think that this could be a totally different ball game. Um, I'm not saying that the cards win, but it definitely would have been more competitive and the cards would have scored some points. Overall, last night Malik was 22 for 37, 191 yards one touchdown, one interception, a 39.1 quarterback rating. Um, he did look pretty decent as a runner, 18 carries, 79 yards, and two touchdowns, led the cards in rushing. Um, it, it, it was just an effort that, you know, from what we've been hearing about him returning to that 2019 form, I just didn't see it, especially not in that first half. Like I mentioned, you have to be quicker on adjusting to what the defense gives you. So if you know they're dropping back eight, you know, go back, go to what you did in the second half and, and, and play the short game. And um, that's just something that, you know, going forward, it's going to have to be addressed to be able to make the adjustments quicker. Uh, like I mentioned, um, some of his throws weren't on point. When he did have to scramble, I felt like more often than not, uh, the throws were not on point. 
Um, and then in the pocket, obviously, he didn't have a ton of time. When he did have the time, I thought that he overguessed it, and it looked like he um, was a little had some confidence issues in that first half. Satterfield said uh, during a in an interview during the game that Malik Cunningham needed to go through his reads. I, I mean, I think that that's right in the sense that he's got to. Um, you know, trust his reads and make the throws. Um, when you double guess, that's where you start to get into trouble. And I think that that's why we saw Ole Miss defenders really jump those passing routes and uh, why the defensive linemen were able to get after him while only rushing three. So, um, you know, I get that this wide receiving core is inexperienced, but at some point, you know, they were, they were definitely breaking coverage, you know, in, in a couple of different plays that I saw where in which they were wide open. And at some point, you just had to throw the ball. Defensively, uh, like I mentioned, I'm not going to go as far as saying that this was a good defensive effort for the Cards because, I mean, after all, the team gave up 31 first downs, 569 yards, 381 of those being through the air. And I got to give it to, you know, the Ole Miss uh, approach. Matt Corral didn't necessarily show me a lot on the ground, only um, had 55 yards, and I know that that's not – that might seem like a lot for a quarterback, but with his ability, I thought that um, definitely – could have been a lot more. Jerry on Ely had 12 for 37. He was one of the key players. Averaged 3.1 yards a carry. So the Cards really did a decent job of bottling him up. But one thing that Ole Miss really exploited was the middle of the field. It started on that first 95-yard drive. Uh, they basically marched down the field. The middle of the field was open. Um, basically exploited it. You know, we talked about their wide receiving core being inexperienced, but they really took advantage of Louisville's coverage, Dontario Drummond had 9 for 177, Jonathan Mingo 2 for 55, Jaron Ely 3 for 51. Overall, the Ole Miss receivers averaged 17.3 yards per reception. Like I mentioned pregame, one of the big keys was going to be limiting the big play, and uh, you know the cards just weren't able to do that. I thought that the defense made some key stops early in that first quarter, but with the offense not being able to capitalize and you know stay on the field to give the defense a breather, I think things got out of hand pretty quickly for the cards. Everything that could have gone wrong in that first half, in my opinion, kind of went wrong. So overall, I thought the intensity was not there early on. Um, the team looked rattled, you know, especially late in that first. First quarter, you know, going into the second, and just overall, just a very lackluster first half that ultimately doomed the cards and kind of pushed the game out of reach at halftime. And that's just that that can't happen going forward. So before we get into the final segment, the Tuesday mailbag, let's talk a little bit about BetOnline.ag. Obviously, it's that time of year again. All eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And if you're not a sports fan, you can go right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Another great offer is the opening day super promo, which you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. That game is in two days. 
opportunities. So definitely be sure to take advantage of that quickly. Uh, Bet on the line is your online sportsbook experts. Also, be sure to use the promo code Locked On while using the service. Okay, so the final segment of the day I want to dedicate to the weekly mailbag. Like I mentioned, with no episode yesterday, obviously there's no Monday mailbag segment, so we'll just push it over to today. And I got some very good and very passionate questions. Um, that I think a lot of the fan base is starting to ask right now. And the first one, and I've seen this all over social media, is, is it time for Scott Satterfield to be fired? And personally, I think no. I think it's premature. But but don't get it twisted. I'm not saying you know we should be complacent with what we're getting on the field. I think even Satterfield knows and everyone around the program is aware that this team has to start winning. Or things you know may change in the future because you know looking down the pipe, you know it's not necessarily a. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say it's not an alarming result because it is. I mean, it's not the fact that they lost; it's the way that they lost. But what could result from this type of effort now that we've seen you know the product on the field? You know, UCF and Florida State are gonna be very tough opposition. There is a very real possibility that this season starts out one and three for the cards and you're you're in danger of having to you know rip off a winning streak to even become bowl eligible in a, in a very you know poor conference that was shown this past week so so the simple answer to the question is no I don't think Scott Satterfield should be fired however something has to change this program has to start winning year three was a big measuring stick for this program as a whole under Satterfield, obviously with the whole South Carolina things, not necessarily in good graces with the majority of the fan base, I'd say, but definitely winning cures everything. So, um, or very close to everything. So, um, you know, you have to start winning. This is a year in which, um, you know, you have the talent. Uh, we've heard a lot in the offseason from this coaching staff about how this team is much improved. And all across the board, they're going to be better. Well, it's time to show that. I'm not saying Satterfield should be fired right now. But I am saying that, you know, this team does need to win games. And if they're not able to do so and it's a, you know, a subpar season, then, you know, who knows what happens. Uh, But as of right now, no, Scott Satterfield should not be fired. Uh, Moving forward, were you impressed with anyone on the wide receiving core or any of the receivers throughout the game for the cards last night despite the poor passing display um i actually was i was very impressed with josh johnson josh johnson uh led the team with six receptions second only trailing marshawn ford with 40 receiving yards i thought that when he caught the ball you know he looked smooth in terms of um being able to create separation and then when he caught the ball he was able to make uh, a respectable um you know gain after the first initial contact so you know shout out to him i know that he's been waiting in the balance for his opportunity i thought he looked good when the um, ball was thrown his way and when his number was called. So definitely look forward to seeing him more so throughout the year. And we've come to expect, obviously, Marshawn Ford to have big games. I thought that when his number was called, obviously he made the most out of it. Uh, Four receptions for 50 yards. I can't imagine him having more than five to six targets. One of those was uh, basically underthrown at his feet by Malik Cunningham early in the game. Um, so, you know, I'm impressed by Marshawn or not, I mean, not necessarily impressed because it's what I expect. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but like I expect Marshawn Ford to go out there and be one of the best ACC tight ends. Uh, but Josh Johnson really caught my eye and, uh, was very excited to to see what he brought to the table. I thought Jordan Watkins also had a pretty solid game with, a uh, 
four receptions for 35 yards. So um, obviously I'm excited to see how these you know, respective receivers can grow throughout this season. Um, another question that was asked was the fumble by Hassan Hall in the second quarter and how important it was to the overall flow of the game. I mean, I thought that the possibility of Louisville scoring in that situation where I believe they were down 23 to zero. If they, you know, kick a field goal there, if they score a touchdown, you know, it's it's a three possession game. So it's not technically out of reach, especially if Louisville was able to make the improvements that they made in the second half. But at the end of the day, Ole Miss kept scoring. So I'm not necessarily sure of, you know, how much that would have helped in the grand scheme of things. But it definitely was significant because you know, Ole Miss went down and hit the field goal to go up by, uh, you know, four scores. Um, 26 to zero, and if it, you know if it's 23 to three or 23 to seven, it's definitely a big deal, and it, it keeps Louisville within striking distance. So, um, to answer the question, yes, it is. It is pretty significant. Um, and then the last question that was asked was, does this change your expectations for Louisville football this season? Um, I think it, it makes me a little bit more nervous in that sense. I wouldn't necessarily say that it changes it because, number one, number one, I didn't think that Louisville was going to beat Ole Miss. Um, and secondly, um, I think that the ACC is weak enough to where Louisville can still have a pretty successful season. But I think that I'm more nervous about the adjustments that were being made throughout the off season, And um, I, I was expecting for week one just necessarily wasn't there, especially in the offensive line and with Malik Cunningham's progression. So who knows? Um, you know, the second and third weeks, uh, you know, EKU obviously should be a win. Uh, Central Florida and Florida State will dictate, you know, how successful this season is for Louisville. So we'll talk more about expectations tomorrow. We'll also talk about where do we go from here in terms of Louisville football, and obviously some more stuff as well. Uh, but before we get out of here, definitely be sure to follow the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. You can follow me at Defense underscore. I want to give a shout-out to the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast for all the great work that they do over there, which I serve as a host as. Um, you can also follow the Locked on Bets podcast because betting on sports does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blot specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. Wherever you like to get your podcasts, that's going to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the show. Be sure to like and subscribe and uh, give a rating as well on whichever streaming service you use. So that wraps up this Tuesday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.